If you need a Bible, we can get one for you. Just raise your hand. We're going to be going through the Bible, continuing through verse by verse. We've started and we're going through the book of Luke. And this morning we're going to be in chapter 4 in the book of Luke, starting in verse 14. Um, and so last week we were looking at the life of Jesus. Um, we've, we've seen uh, the witnesses of his coming, his birth, the witness of his mother Mary and Joseph, and then, then we have the witness of John, the witness, if you would, of God and the Holy Spirit when he was baptized, and heaven opening and declaring, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then after that, immediately, uh, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and, and uh, led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness area where he's tempted and full of the Holy Spirit within that temptation, um, tempted as we are as a man. He didn't pull out any of his deity. He withstood that temptation being fully God, but also fully man and with the same, um, same abilities and blessings that God provides to us to withstand in temptation. And then after that, we pick up, Luke picks up here in verse 14, after Jesus was out there and he was tempted in the wilderness. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read, and when he had hand, was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the, Holy, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind, and to set, liberty, or set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And when he had closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, just for who you are and that you decided just to reveal yourself and your heart and how much you love us to us. God, and that you are willing to come down and to live among us, to walk, Father, among us, and to also serve us, Father, and not just come and and be a great king, but also a great servant, and to lay your life down for us. And that we get us just have this awesome example of who you are, Father, and, and just how to live in truth in this world. And we just thank you for your word this morning. And so, as uh, Jesus comes back, he's um, full of the Holy Spirit here, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and he goes into the region of Galilee. And this region in Galilee was very diverse, even though um, not diverse per se in every community, but the whole region had like pockets of different groups. 
It was probably one of the most diverse regions in Israel of different people groups. And so Jesus was traveling out through this area, and, and he was in the surrounding areas, and his fame is starting to come. You see, it says right there in 14, the news of him went out through the surrounding air region. And so as he's out serving and loving on people and healing the sick and the blind and these miraculous signs, he was going around, as you see in verse 15, it says, he taught in their synagogues, and it, it was glorifying by all. And so he went out, and he was, he was going around traveling, and what he would do was it was custom, as we'll learn later, he's, he would go into the synagogue, and he would be in the synagogue. And if you wanted to bring it into today's terms, he was going around, and he was in church. He was going around to different churches where uh, the believers, the Jewish people, were congregating where they were at and he was teaching in their synagogues and he was there and it's kind of interesting if you could you could kind of split Jesus's ministry up into kind of three parts you kind of had the first part where he goes from kind of excur uh, you know not really being known and, and kind of rising in fame to where he's really popular and then you have this oppression from the Jewish leaders at the time so you kind of have these three parts and and Luke kind of covers the whole first part in this gospel in verse 14 to 30, and that's all he really covers in it. Compared to some of the other gospels, they have some more time spent there, like in, in Mark and John. But he really, this first part is only covered really by Luke in, in verse 14 through 30 here. And it's interesting, as he goes around, he taught. And it's when you go through and you read the Gospels, the things that stand out to us usually aren't how often he taught. It's the miracles, the miraculous things. It's like, wow, this happened. Jesus healed this person. This person's walking again. He walked on water. And, and we see these miraculous signs. But more importantly, as we look through the scripture this morning, and we're going to look at Jesus' ministry here and, and, and how people react to his ministry, we're going to see how often he was teaching. And Luke makes that very clear as we go through this, that he taught. And the importance of teaching the Word, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and what he dedicated to that. And so, in verse, look with me in verse 16 here. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as it was custom, or as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, it's interesting. There is... There are some theories on where Jesus actually grew up. Did you know that? They, they, they said, oh, well, he went off to Tibet and he learned to fly in carpets. That's how he learned how to do all these miracles. Did you know that? Kind of funny, huh? Well, right here it says he grew up in Nazareth. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to go with the Bible on this one. So <laughs> it's interesting, though. Here this is his hometown. This is where he grew up. This is where he's coming in. And he has this notoriety of this fame. Um, you can imagine, we, were, we grew up in a little town in Lucerne Valley. It's a little nowhere desert. But we knew the famous people that grew up in town. I mean, every, oh yeah, such and such was from here. Thor Birch and this person or that person, you know. Oh yeah, she was, you know, you know my sister's class and whatever. You, you know who grew up in your town, famous. I mean, if you're from Modesto and, oh yeah, the George Lucas. And, you know, you know those things. And that word would travel. And, and Jesus was knowing what? Of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the, the title, the name that went with him. 
You know, it wasn't Jesus of Tibet. So it's Jesus of Nazareth as he traveled around. And so it's interesting to see what we're going to see as he comes back to his hometown. And so as he comes back, they're probably excited to see what's going to happen, what's going to go on. And so he's going to come into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he's going to teach. And it's interesting that, you know, Jesus, if you wanted to say he was a church-going man. And if there was anybody that could have good excuse not to go to church, who would it be? Well, if he knows all your sins, could he say, hey, you guys are all hypocrites? Yeah, he's the only one that can say that and not be a hypocrite, right? It's interesting how he wanted to be in there. He wanted to be in the presence of God's people. And he continued as it was his custom. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, kind of funny and kind of really sad. You see people coming into to church, and, and, and they're there for different reasons than the teaching, than the Word of God. You see all kinds of things, you know. Oh, church is boring. You know, you, you get your kids, I don't want to go sit through that. It's boring. If you think service here is boring, could you imagine a synagogue? Let's talk about what happened in a synagogue, okay? The worship's gone. We don't, they didn't do worship. They, they might have, they sung maybe one or two things, an acapella together. That's about all you get. Definitely, uh, I know we didn't have a drummer today. Definitely no drummer, probably. You know, and so, but they would come in and there would be a prayer. They would repeat the same prayer every time. The Shemai. They would repeat it. So you'd get, come in, you'd repeat the one prayer. And then, after the one prayer, you had 18 benedictions called the uh, Shemo, uh, Shemo Surrey. It was 18 benedictions, 18 other memorized prayers you would repeat out loud together. Okay? And then after that, you had a reading from the Torah, the, old, the, the law, and then you would have a reading from the prophets. And that's where Jesus reads this morning is Isaiah from the prophets. He's given the book to read there. And then there would be the final benediction, the final blessing. And every Sunday. So you would have, the only teaching you would have is after the Torah and the prophets, the person who read that would maybe ex expand on that a little. And most of the time they would be quoting other teachers and other people. They, they really would not be um, definitive. It would be, well, well, we kind of feel this and we kind of feel that. And, and it would move on in that sense. And... That's important because later on as we go through, you'll see everybody's amazed at what Jesus talks, teaches when in authority. Later on in, in chapter 5 and stuff, Jesus, you know, they're always blown away at the authority of which he taught. You know what I mean? And, and it's interesting because everybody at this time were so unwilling to be, look at the scripture and say, no, the scripture says this. Well, it could mean that. It could mean this. You know what I mean? Take, take what you want. We don't want to be offensive, you know. And so it's interesting as it goes through. And so um, the other aspect of that is, you know, you, you look at that, you talk about a ritual and boring, right? I don't know about you guys. I haven't ever been raised in um, any high church to where there's a repeated thing. I've been to a couple services where they, you know, repeat the certain thing or, or, or stuff. And, I, you know, some of it I was wondering, you know, I was just... Me personally, I guess, uh, you know, maybe this is a sidetrack, but, you know, some of these churches, they, they, the pastor says something. He says, the Lord, and everybody says, glory, hallelujah, or something, you know, back and forth, some of these Orthodox churches. I always thought that was kind of like um, in, in Big Bear when I did football, we always had to respond to the certain things with bears and, you know what I mean, on the team. And, 
And um, I ended up actually coaching a little my senior year, and I was talking to my coach. And I said, hey, how do, you, how do I get seven and eight-year-olds' attention? He goes, you know that thing where we say it's a pride thing? You've got to respond. No, that's just to keep your attention. That way we know you. You know, I was like, what? You tricked us all this time, you know? Maybe that's just to keep people awake. You know, I say the right word. You've got to say glory, hallelujah, then I know you're all awake, right? And you've got to be looking for it now. But it's just interesting. <laughs> Sorry. That was my thought. But, you know, some of this high church stuff and, and where it can become, though, becomes where is your heart really saying that? Are you really, I mean, it's awesome if your heart's in it and stuff, but if you're just repeating things to repeat things. And Jesus walks in. What, a, what an exciting thing. Here, your hometown guy, you know, who's been out doing these amazing things, comes back in, comes back home, and, and, and they know him, right? You would think, how many questions are going around? Hey, is this guy legit? I mean, he's out here healing people. He's claiming to be this Messiah. You knew him when he was a kid. What was he like, right? You would have all those kinds of questions. And so I'm sure they were sitting there. They were excited. In verse 17, it says, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, he found the place where it was written. There's a little debate was usually they would go through most, most, this time it's possible not, but most of the time you were assigned reading. They were going through kind of verse by verse, section by section. And so it's very possible that he was given a section, but then it says what? Then he found a place. So he might have turned the page or two and said, hey, we're going to go here where we're going to go to this messianic scripture where it talks about me. And in verse 18 as it is in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 2, most of verses 1 and 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set me, or sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, and to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now we kind of see... Six things kind of here um, as we go through it and, and look at the scripture. He goes, the spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me as he's reading it, right? And this is definitely, everybody recognizes this. this is of the Messiah. This is messianic scripture speaking of the coming Savior. And here you have Jesus reading this, the Savior. And he goes, he's anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. And the gospel. What is the gospel message? It is the Savior is coming for the forgiveness of sin. And not to say the poor, poor people are in sin or always in sin, but many times you, I know of quite a bit of people where the sin in their lives has caused them to be poor. And so he's coming for the forgiveness of sin. He's coming for the poor. If you remember, Jesus was coming for the poor in spirit, as it was said. And and then we look down again here, and it says, He has come, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And sin causes brokenheartedness. He came to pro proclaim liberty to captives. And sin and cap takes you captive, it holds you, it binds you. Addictions hold you captive. And He's going to recover the sight to the blind. Well, he does that physically, but also sin is blinding. When you're get when you in sin and, and you're in a direction that's not good and you're believing something that's not true, it blinds you to the truth 
If it wasn't blinding, we wouldn't do 90% of the things we do because we'd realize this is going to hurt. I mean, if I'm blind, physically blind, and I got a nail and a hammer, it's going to hurt. But if I have truth and I can see it, I'm going to avoid it. Sin is blinding. To set, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sin is oppressive. And it also to proclaim, or proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which in Levi we hear the year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee, um, where all debt was forgiven. This was a time in, in, in the Jewish culture and in the way God set it up. The year of Jubilee was all your credit card debts, all your property debts, all that was forgiven. Everything went back to zero. Okay? And even, even more was the year, it was, it was there to show that, hey, all this debt, all these things that you've built up and accumulated is going to be brought back to zero. You're, you're not going to be held responsible. It's going to be freed of. And it was to be pointing to the Savior coming, that all our debts, all our sin, and all those things would be forgiven. Now, that sounds cool to proclaim the year of the Lord. That's exciting. I don't know if this was the year of the Lord. We're not 100% sure. Maybe Jesus is going, now it's the year of the Lord because I'm here. But could you imagine that right now? How many of you guys would be totally stoked if by the end of the service all your debt was forgiven? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be a year of jubilee, right? And so he's coming to proclaim that time. And it's interesting. How many times do you see in here? He says to preach the gospel, to proclaim. And again, it says to proclaim. Okay, it's talking about teaching, speaking, uh, uh, expository, sharing, how many times there, and, and the only time we really see of healing, even though he's doing these miraculous signs, he's been serving, is once mentioned here. Once. And, and that, I believe, is important to us as believers. I think many times we can get so focused on the healings and the miraculous, and we want to see all this big stuff, that we're not willing to spend the time to study the Word of God. And, and more importantly, what the gospel does. We can get excited about somebody seeing from the blind and, and really stoked. You know, if, if there was somebody lame in here and they began to walk, that's all you guys would talk about. I'd be excited about it. I'd be in that same boat. But just as much, we can sit here and we can share and somebody's heart can change and be freed from sin in their life. Talk about more of an exciting thing. Even more than that, there could be somebody in here that does not know Jesus personally and decides, hey, I need to have a relationship. I need to have this freedom. I need, sin has got me locked down. And this Jesus came to be free, free me from that and accept that. Talk about a more exciting thing. You're only going to be lame for a little while. Heaven's a long time. And to be excited about the right things of the scripture and the teaching and what it does and the miracles of what God does and the broken hearts and our minds and those things. It's interesting, God... Jesus, as he shares this, he, he stops short of the end of verse 2. In verse 2, the, the rest of verse 2 in Isaiah 62, there says, and the vengeance of the day, or and the day of vengeance of our God, is how that's finished off. It says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. So we're living in that comma right now. You see the first coming and the second coming. So right now, you could summarize the last... 2,000 some years, we're living in that comma. Because Jesus is both, remember, the lion of Judah who's going to come, judge sin and death, 
but he's also the lamb, the savior who's come to save us from our sin. And so we see that lion and the lamb here. And it's interesting as he shares, it's not that day for these people. The day for these people is what? The lamb. I'm coming as your savior. I'm coming to free you for sin, not the judgment of sin. Which is even more amazing as we continue through the scripture and see their reaction. And so when he had closed the book, in verse 20, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. So he gets up for the reading, he reads it, and he sits down. Now if I was to sit down, you guys would assume we're done. Not in this culture. Again, this was Jewish culture. If you didn't think church was boring enough already, you guys stood and the teacher would sit down when he began to teach. So you guys would all be standing around. So Jesus sits down, which is a sign to them they're going to begin to teach. Now you talk about um, trying to keep people's attention, right? If everybody's standing around and you're sitting, they get bored. We're out of here, right? Here we can get you to sit down, so if you have to leave, you've got to stand up in front of every... No, I'm joking. But <laughs> it's interesting, just the culture. So he sits down, so they're looking. He's ready to share. And it says in verse 21, it says, He began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now, it's kind of interesting when you look at that and you sit down and, and you see it. It says in verse 21, it says, He began to teach. So this is what he began to teach with. That wasn't his whole sermon. Don't get excited and go, okay, Tim, we're just going to do three-word sermon. You're out of here. No. And so this is when he began to teach what he said. And, and they were amazed at the words that were coming out. They marveled at the gracious words. They, you know, marveling. Okay, that's good. Gracious words are good. Those things are good. But what they didn't do was there's, there's no repentance. There's no, what's the reaction? marvel at stuff. Wow, that guy, he can teach. Wow, he shared. It was amazing. And when they're done and he's sharing, they're all marveled and go, wait a minute, isn't this the contractor's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Yeah, he worked on my addition. You know, he put it up all back there and this and that. I mean, they knew him. They knew him. I mean, this is where he grew up. It, it, it's interesting to think. When, I mean, my kids, are, I mean, I, I, I feel like an old guy at a point, you know, you realize you do stuff like your dad did and your kids mock you for it like you mocked your dad. I mean, we're driving through Big Bear with old town. I'm going, see that roof there? I did that one. And over Nap, I did that one. That one I did with your brother. And that one I did with Phil. And that one, you know, and they're still there. It's kind of cool. At least that's one thing about roofing is you're doing something's going to last hopefully 50 years if you do it right, you know. It's kind of cool to leave a mark compared to I don't know, like McDonald's or something. I'm mean, nothing against McDonald's, and I guess you, you know, the food you serve can leave a mark. But I mean, this is lasting effect, you know. And it, it just it was kind of cool. And my kids are going, "Nan, Dan, look, there's another one," and they're mocking me in the back seat. Look, look, their dad probably did that one too. And, you know, like, thanks, yeah. I remember my dad doing that. You know, we're driving across out in the desert. Yeah, see that old, uh, yeah, well, the Union Station. I had to go out and re-roof all these little things when they used to actually put people in those little things to plug in wires. You know. And, you, you know, you hear these things, and it, it's interesting to think as they sat there, and even though they know what they're hearing, they're seeing something amazing, they've heard what's coming, they still just look at him and go, well, we know him. We're aware of him. We've seen him. 
But at the same time, you're aware of them and you've seen them. And what have you seen? What do you know? Right? If anybody could have said, this guy, we don't want him teaching in the synagogue. He's claiming to be equal with God and he's doing these things and all this, you know, and we know that guy. I mean, if you look at some of the, the apocrypha, the, the things written that were not biblical about Jesus, he's a Dennis the Menace. I mean, he's, you know, if there was anything off in this guy's life, wouldn't his hometown be the one to go, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what he did when he was six, when nobody was like, you know, we went out and, you know, you know how that goes. You, you, especially guys get together. They talk about all the things they used to do and, you know, how many aqueducts they swam in and things they destroyed by accident and, or on purpose. And, you know, you guys all have childhood stories where you guys were bright, you know, and praise God you made it here and survived. I mean, it was there. And, um, it's just interesting to see those those stories, you know, and you look at, I mean, um, I was chuckling and, and I mean, this just came to mind as Pat Carter, one of the last things he shared with me was this little thing on Facebook and it talked about, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have helmets and we had BB guns and we were allowed of this and we'd leave in the morning, not come back until dinner time and we could go play here and we jumped in this and all this dangerous stuff and, you know, and, uh, you know, and yeah, you could get hurt, and if you're dumb, you, you might not even make it. But that's why we have dumb adults today. We got all these safety things, and they all make it. You know, it's funny. Just, that was Pat, you know. He goes, yeah, stupid, you know. I love him. I, he's, yeah, he's, he told me once, yeah, stupid should hurt, you know. Was, but, you know, they knew him. They knew his childhood to get back to this, you know. They knew who he was, and... Who all these things about him, they should have known him so well. You know what I mean? Been aware of him. And in verse 23, and it says to them, You sh- will surely say to this, pro- this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. So I don't know if Jesus is sitting there and he's actually hearing them talk. Oh, we want him to do this. We want him to do these signs. We've heard all this the stuff about him. Or if, like many times with the disciples, as they were walking, these were, they were thinking these thoughts, and Jesus responded to them, which that's scary, right? You get into trouble, just you start thinking about who's the greatest, and the next thing you know, Jesus starts teaching you guys on the least should be the greatest. You know, that freak you out. So I don't know if this is the case where he knows where they're at, if he overheard them, but he knew where their heart was. He, he even knew the proverb they would talk about, you know, and it's interesting that this, this proverb should still be the same today. You know, physician, heal yourself first, you know. You know, it's, it's funny, I, you know, you see people selling, selling stuff. I'll just leave it at that, you know, um, herbs, whatever. And, and it always, you know, the testimonial is important, right? It's like if you go to a doctor and, and he's got super thick glasses on and all this, and he's sitting there and he's going, okay, yeah, I do LASIK, and I'm going to make you see again. You're going to be like, yeah, right, why, why haven't you got LASIK done? I mean, you know, and I understand that there's differences. It's always funny when you talk to your chiropractor how they're talking about the guy they have to go to because they can't adjust themselves. You know, it's like, who do you go to? Well, I wouldn't recommend it, no. But it's interesting in that sense. But So there's this Proverbs. I mean, hey, if you're going to be who you are, why don't you, you know, show us? Right? I'll, I'll believe you can heal somebody if you heal yourself, you know. Why don't, why don't you do this in your hometown? And so they're, they're looking for a sign. They want to see this miraculous. They want to see the, this reputation he has, and he knows their hearts. They're not there for the truth. They're not there for the teaching. 
They're there, hey, we marveled at what you said. Now give us that show. We want to see that show. And in verse 21, or 24, rather, look with me, it says, And then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. I tell you the truth, or I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elisha, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But none, or but to none of them, Elisha was sent except to Zephyrathes in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And so there was this time when one of the, the Jewish people really looked up to their prophets, especially Elijah, called fire from heaven, the, 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 these awesome things, right? And, and he's sitting there and he brings out hair. The nation of Israel was not seeking God. Even though they were supposed to be this representation of knowing God, here there's a famine in the land. Here we have this record of this awesome prophet, and God has to send him somewhere else. God has to send him out of the area to the Gentiles and to a woman. Now the Jews, there's, there's a couple of things that's always said. They, you know, they woke up and a Jewish man would say a prayer in the morning, thank God I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. You know, they, they, they did not look on these things greatly. And so he brings this fact out. Look at your prophets. Look at all the prophets of Israel. I don't know of really any prophet of Israel that Israel ever accepted. And as he goes through, he goes, look, here he comes. And, and even though Israel should know his, their prophet, know God, this guy has to be sent somewhere else. And he goes, and not even that has to be sent to a woman, which was like kind of a little stab, a Gentile woman. And then he continued in verse 27, And many leopards were in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed uh, except Naaman the Syrian. So he is there and there's a leopard. You talk about another lowly thing. Leprosy was directly related in the Jewish mind to sin. It was a punishment from sin. If you had leprosy, it was because of sin and you deserved it. It was God's judgment upon you. And here you have a general from another country who's got leprosy and God sends his prophet to heal him. Because the people of Israel, his chosen people, were wicked and not, their hearts weren't in the right place. And, and in verse 25 there it says, truly, truth. They didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted to show. Show us what you can do. You know, and, and he gives them these two examples of his great prophet and says, hey, I'm not, there isn't going to be any miracles here. This isn't happening the way you guys would like because your heart's not where it's at. And it's interesting when you see this. I, I, my sister's with Gospel for Asia, GFA, and I had her come and share once with the youth and she was just sharing all the amazing things. At the time, she was in charge of taking the information in from the field in India, sorting it, putting it together with who, what pastor, because the information sometimes comes in choppy. You don't know what pastor, what region's he in, where is he serving, what are their needs. And so she was in charge of trying to take that information and, and dividing it up and where it would go. And so she would be getting these reports of stuff in the field and, and even spending time with some of these people. And, um, you know... It's amazing to see. They see people that are dead, raised from the dead. 
including water buffalo in one village, which was their livelihood. And, and you see these miracles and you go, okay, well, where are they at here? I mean, if, if people are being raised from the dead in the United States, it'd be on TV, right? And, and you kind of wonder, well, why aren't these miracles are here? And it's interesting to see, though, the country and the time we live in. How many people, you know, it, one out of ten people don't have a Bible in their house in the United States. That's the estimates. That's the average. So one out of ten people do not have a Bible. Doesn't mean they open it. Doesn't mean they read it, but it's there. We know him well. In India, you go there and say, hey, there's the Jesus of the Bible. He's the creator in heaven and earth. Okay, sure, we'll add him to our list of gods. We got 365. Which one do we celebrate him? God many times makes it very clear who he is. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the Old Testament. You don't know this thing. You're totally foreign to me. Let me just clarify it in one little aspect here. I'm the God over death and life. I'm the only God you should worry about. And that's why I believe he does things and more things there, is to reveal himself. Why not here? Because sadly, we know him. If a nation could be other, uh, knows Jesus well or knows who he is, well, it's, it's been the United States. It's been our thing, and, and it's, it's sad to see the response because I believe we're at the same point of Nazareth in many wares where most churches, it's what's the show well, we want to see signs, we want to see the show, or, you know, maybe not even that. We just, we just want to hear something that makes us happy so we can leave. You know, I get my, my church in, my time in. You know, it's kind of, it's just sad to see, you know. And look at verse 28. See what they're, how they're filled with. Jesus, remembers filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 28, it says, All those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up, and they thrust him out of the city. And they led him to a borough or a brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then he passed through the midst of them and went his way. Now, Nazareth is kind of on the side of the hill of the valley there, right? The Galilean Valley. And so there are cliffs off to the side and so they hear this and their response is what? going, wow, wait a minute, you're, you're telling us things that are hard to hear. We know who you are. Wait a minute, maybe we can consider this. Maybe we should hear this. And that's not their response. They're filled with wrath. They are mad. How dare you? We know who you are. How dare you convict us? How dare you say something off? Actually, who knew them better? Would a prophet from another town, would, would somebody else coming in be able to know them more? No, and we respond that way. I mean, it's amazing to see kind of the response, but at the same time, um, I'm guilty of that in a sense. I don't know, husbands in here, when your wife comes up to you and corrects you on something, especially biblically, hey, honey, I just know, you know what? How's your morning devotions going? How's this going? How's that going? What's your response? Oh, yeah, you're right, honey, I need to do better. No, my first response, what do you mean, my devotion? Why are you questioning me? You're my wife. I mean, I'm the spiritual leader. I mean... You know, I'll do exactly what she says. I just won't let her know she, she had any effect on it. Well, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe, you know. We, we joke around. We've, um, it's amazing how God's used and blessed me with that woman. And she's put up with me. It, I mean, there's so many times you know, sit there and I'd come home from church and go, hey, God showed me this and this and this. And she's like, that's awesome. I'm like, why aren't you more excited? 
She goes, no real reason. I'm like, no, tell me why you don't, because I've been praying that for eight years. Do you realize that? Like, nah, yeah, look at my journal. <laughs> like, okay, Lord, why didn't I listen to my wife earlier? Why did it have to be somebody else, you know? It, it's sad. Sometimes we respond with the people we love the most and know the most. Not, we don't respond well. There's hurt. There's things there, you know? And, and they respond, man, you talk about a contrast with wrath. They're upset. Why are they so upset? Because this was a suggestion. Jesus said, hey, I just wanted to make this suggestion to you. I didn't want to really press. No, it was convicting. It hurt. And it was true. That's why it hurt. That's why they got mad. They knew where they were at. It revealed their heart. It totally opened it up. And that's what God does in a life. He comes in. He shares. And sometimes you get this, ah, this wrath out of there. You know, it said most of the time when you preach or you share the gospel, you're going to see two things. You're going to either see a riot or a revival. The Holy Spirit's working. It's going to reveal somebody's heart. And if their heart's willing... They're going to go, wow, you're right, I'm wrong, I need to change, I need a savior. Or you get this response of, wow, you know, we're going to kill you. You know, it's interesting, I was listening, um, I don't know, Harvest Crusade, Greg Laurie, how many of you guys know them? They've been doing the Harvest Crusade down in Anaheim for over 20-some years. And this year they have a billboard up, and the billboard is the Harvest Crusade. It has Greg Laurie there. And it's black and white, so you can't tell it. And he's got a book up that says Harvest on it. doesn't even say the Bible. And they had contracted to have this put in the malls in the area. The mall looked at it, agreed to it. And then we're having all kinds of people upset and freaking out about it. So they came back to him and said, hey, we're going to need to change the billboard a little maybe for the mall. And so they were willing to work. And then the mall just came back and go, no, we just can't put it up at all. And it's like, what? You know, and, and, and the good thing is, um, you know, Greg dealt with it very graciously on Fox and Friends. It's on there if you guys want to Google it. But what a time we're living in. What, you're offended because somebody's got the Bible? Why? What does that represent? Most of them don't even know what it reads. That's what he was saying. He goes, yeah, I wish people just, before they get offended at a book, do they know even what it says, what it talks about? But the thought, how dare you bring something out? Because that means you somehow think you know something I don't, that I'm wrong. And this wrath that comes out. You know, where the, the, these malls are, this, they're like, whoa, we got to do something about this. We don't even want to put anything back up because we're worried this backlash we're getting and this response. And that's very much the day we live in, in that sense. And it, it's just amazing. You look at, in the end here, there's a miracle these people see. What's the miracle they see? I don't know how it happens. I don't know Jesus pulls out a... I don't know, Yoda on him as they're dragging him out to the cliff suddenly at some point he just turns around and passes through the crowd in the midst of them and went his own way it's kind of interesting when we looked at the temptations, what did Satan say? Here I'm going to take you up to the pinnacle of the temple, throw yourself down and the angels will protect you from the ground Jesus knew, hey this isn't my time I'm not going to die here, this isn't the cross, this is not the time when this is going to happen and the miracle is, I don't know if he walked and they watched him walk and they just kind of physically grabbed. We don't have this huge description, but he, suddenly he disappears. Okay, we're taking him, we're going to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And now he's gone. He's walking through us. It's interesting to see this. And, and he says he went his own way. Remember, you know, in the, the scripture that Satan quoted about him throwing off, it was what? Throw yourself off the temple and the angels will pick you up. But he fl- forgot that last part because guide you in all his ways? Well, obviously he's being guided in his ways. God has guided him away from this. 
But it's interesting when you share the gospel, when you stand for the word, here are the people that knew him. Here are the people that should have had no doubt who he was growing up. And their response is this wrath. And many times that happens. I mean, you get around the holidays and you get around family. And, and they don't respond. It's like you're sharing the gospel and, and many times you know, hey, you knew who I was before. You've seen my life change. How, what do you account that to, you know? You see this difference and they just don't know, you know? There's a um, pastor I listen to. He goes, you know, I, I was into all this stuff and I was into all these meditation things and nothing changed. I was on drugs and then I get saved. And they, my fa- whole family see me change. You know, and you'd think this would be an awesome testimony. They'd be able to see this change. They knew who I was. They knew the horrible things I had done. And now they see this awesome change. It should speak of God being real. It should speak of these things. And he's a pastor of a large church. And he goes, and my aunt still sends me little statues of Mary on Christmas. She just doesn't get it. They just, you know, I get a little Mary statue. Why? Because I'm a pastor, priest. You know, she's not, doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> so I get this little... Mary thing every Christmas. <laughs> he goes, I, you know, he goes, oh. you know, they just don't get it, and they won't. They don't even want to receive it. But many times in those situations, because we do have family members who don't understand, they don't get it, and you can share with them, and you share their love of God, and and it amazes me how faithful God's in that. If you're in that situation, you have family members that they just don't get it. And maybe even they're, they're against you. They don't, you know, it's like, okay, we don't want to be around them. They're crazy Christian people, you know. But you know how many times God sends, I mean, even um, my brother, as he was struggling in his walk and things, days beforehand, God's prompting somebody who, I don't think he's been even saved two years, just felt, hey, man, I just had to call your brother to let you know. Just wanted to share with him what was on my heart and what was going through the God. And sometimes that's what God does. Sometimes it's amazing how, even though you know somebody so well, it's a total stranger that's one that can share the God's truth and it's received. And that's just, I just love that because there are many times I know that happens. You know, I was um, uh, down in Modesto. I I did some vehicle sales with this guy and stuff and kind of working and stuff. And I just kind of sharing the gospel with this guy as we're test driving a car and I've worked with him a while and sharing a gospel with him, and um, I said, so yeah, I'm this and that, and he goes, and I, 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 I just kind of shared the basic with him, I'm just going to leave him with that, and he goes, so what do I got to do to begin this relationship with God? I was like, oh, I should have asked that, that would be nice, you know, at least give you the option instead of just telling you, hey, this is the way it is, and so he prayed to accept tr- Christ in the truck there, and um, I'm getting out, and he goes, man, my son's going to be so excited, you can't tell him, I'm going to want, I'm going to ask him to share so I can pray with him. Like, your son? He goes, yeah, he's been going to this church thing for four years. He's been getting me to go to this men's Bible study. And I'll go once in a while, and I just, nothing. And, and he goes, but I don't want to know that, that I did this. I want to make him think he did it. <laughs> he had a part in it. So well, he obviously has had a big part in it, because I shared it, you know, and, and more than that, God had a big part in it. But it was interesting, right? Here his son's been taking him, trying to get him to go to church for four years, and I'm sitting there in the truck not even really with that purpose, we're half talking about the truck, and then, you know, he, I think he mentioned, oh, he had a lot of friends who had passed away recently. He goes, man, I'm getting older. Because he bought and lost, sold a lot. The, the conversation, he has his own casket already. He got a good deal on one, so yeah, he's that type of guy. 
So yeah, find a good deal on Craigslist, you know, casket, woohoo, get that in advance. Um, <laughs> that type of guy. So that conversation came up, but it wasn't planned, it wasn't there, but God's faithful in those times to reach those people. So keep praying for them, keep sharing with them, keep being loving in that sense. But many times in our families, it's the hardest to hear it from. And it's, it's kind of strange. I don't, you know, you look at it and we, we should know. As a nation, how many blessings have been bestowed on this nation because of who God is? And how has he worked? We, we should know who he is, right? And, and instead of looking for the great miracle, how many times, even in our own lives, does he work and change our hearts? But yet we forget. Or when we come to the scripture, we don't, oh, wait a minute, I really don't want to, I really don't want to go to the Word of God where it's going to divide, it's going to open me up, and I'm going to have to respond. Either I'm going to have to be a disobedient or I'm going to have to submit and trust God and go, okay, God, yeah, I'm, I need to grow in that area. I need to change. Give me the strength to change. You know, and it's hard. You, you see people in, when they come to church, I've, I, I've gotten interesting questions and the phone calls from people when they call up and go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm interested to coming to the service there. Okay, well service time's here and this is where it's at. We teach the word of God, verse by verse. Okay, well I was just kind of curious, um, what kind of worship you have? Well, there's a guitar and stuff, we don't really read through hymns, kind of, I don't know what the correct term is, but we have a guitar player up there and stuff and we worship God. Okay, I mean, one guy's whole thing was, I didn't care about how, if I taught from the Bible or not. What's the worship like? What's the show like? How sad. Isn't that, shouldn't it be that be, okay, forget the worship. Are you teaching the word? How do you teach the word? Where are you at in the word? Are you actually giving me truth? If I'm going to sit there and listen, isn't the truth more important than how I feel? Well, I got to go, I got to go to a worship service where it's really loud on this because I, I got to get the spiritual high so I feel like I'm good for the week, you know? I got to get jazzed. It's not good. At the same time, you can go, well, hey, you know, we don't, we don't want to go into the service where the Holy Spirit's working and going to convict me. I want to go somewhere where it's just dry, where I can sit there and go, oh, yes, that was a very positive message. You know, it, it was, you know, we should all be better and nice to each other. Not, no, the Word of God says this, and this is what it means, and we must change. You know, some people, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to go somewhere where it's Spirit-filled. You know, so you have that balance of, well, I'm going to be in a spiritual hype where we're all jumping around. We have no basis of the Word of God. It's all based on a feeling, no real truth. And then we have the other aspect of, I just want to go in and hear something where it stimulates me logically, socially, so I feel, you know, politically better and I can be a better neighbor. Instead of coming in and going, no, I want the Word of God to cut through me and reveal my heart and what's going on. I want the Holy Spirit to open me up and expose the truth where I have to respond. And so much of America, I, I don't, we don't want the truth. The, the, the churches, many churches, they don't want the truth. Why? You start taking the church, they empty out. You don't get crowds. You know, we've got to have the bigger show going on. and It's sad. It is really sad to see. And, you know, he didn't come for that. He came to forgive sin to give us power over sin. If we look back, flip with me real quick there, to Isaiah uh, chapter 62 and uh, verse 1 and 2. 61, excuse me. 
Isaiah chapter 1, or Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, where he reads through. Why did he come? Why is this prophecy even in the Old Testament of what the Messiah was going to do? It says, The Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. The gospel, the news of forgiveness of sin to even everyone, the poor, the highest and the low, everyone. He's come to teach that gospel, right? And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Not to entertain them, not to make you feel good, to heal it. What, what's involved in healing? Sometimes there's surgery. It hurts. God has to open up and deal with things. He's come to do that. Right? He's come to recreate liberty to the captives. It doesn't help if you're a captive and you want to stay in your sin and he opens a jail sword and you slam it back shut and go, I'm comfortable. There's got to be a change. Right? It's amazing to see that open and the captives and the opening of the prison to whose those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's come to free us. You're forgiven and done, and he wants to open those doors totally up. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never asked him to say, hey, my heart's yours. I I need to be done with sin, and and I want to know you. I want to have a relationship. Not religion, not show up to church for a show, God, I need you to come in and do some work in my heart and change me. If that's you, don't leave here without talking, sitting down and talking to any of us in leadership and just praying and asking to begin that relationship. There, that's why he came. And if you're here and you go, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yet I'm in captivity, I'm blind, I am, name it. Then guess what? We've got to repent and change. Like we taught last Sunday, or a couple Sundays ago, John, repent. And so, it's an amazing thing to see, and, and don't, we can get so used to being around God and the goodness of God that we miss it. Jesus was walking with them for how many years? The Messiah, what everybody was waiting for, working on their house, missed it. And then when he came, they missed it. This is the last record we have that we know, only, this is the only time we know he was in Nazareth. They missed it. There isn't another time he shows up in Scripture in Nazareth. This is the last record right here that we know of. Here's the Messiah's there who was around them, who grew up around him, and it's not there. And the great miracles are. You want to see a great miracle? How many testimonies do we have in this fellowship of great miracles? God stepping in and totally radically changing somebody's life. And I love it. I love to see when God does it. You know, it, it's ama- just amazing to see how God can come in and change a life and these things that have entrapped, enslaved, blinded, caused all this hurt and pain and the brokenness in the heart be removed and gone. That's what God offers repeatedly. And it doesn't matter where you hear it from. The truth is the truth. And if it's from somebody you know, if it's a family member, if it's a total stranger, Jesus is still the same. And this morning, he wants to heal our broken hearts. He wants to make us new. You know, I, I, love, I love 
so many of you in this fellowship have such a desire for the Word of God. Just real people. Real people willing to seek the Holy Spirit. It is such a blessing. You know, it, you, you get around people that are believers and they, they don't have an interest. They have a form of godliness, but there's no real desire. They're, you know, Jesus is sprinkled in. It's religion. But I mean, I love you guys so much. I love this fellowship, just the openness and the willingness to let the truth of God's word change our lives. Yes, I want to see miracles. Love to see miracles. Love to see the Holy Spirit work in great and mighty ways. I'm totally open to it. Stoked to see what God's going to do in the park with a whole bunch of these little kids that totally walking out of darkness. Oh, that's going to be so awesome. You know why it's going to be awesome? Because there's so many things leading that. It, I, I could spend an hour talking about how many times God has prompted this and prompted that, and then suddenly I'm sitting down with Anthony, and it's like, yes, yes. And it's just like, cool, I'm glad somebody else was... That's clearly a Holy Spirit because I wasn't the only crazy person thinking this. You know? I, 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 I come up with, um, gosh, I'm a dreamer in a sense, so I can come up with some crazy things. It's nice to know that the Holy Spirit is leading some other crazy dreamers to start cutting holes in the sides of trucks and doing, you know, where are we going to go? What's the worst park we can go to? Let's go there. You know? I love it. Some, uh, some other people even... Um, you know, we'll pray about it, but suggested, well, no, I don't know if I want to say that. No, I'm going to say this, fair warning, to have security there. It's a bad park. One of the kids we were helping out got stabbed almost to death at that park. It's a bad park. Somebody goes, you go there, you need to bring security with you, armed security. Got the Holy Spirit. And most likely, I'm bigger than the rest of you. They'll shoot at me first, so you're good to go. <laughs> Send your kids. I mean, <laughs> I'll take my kids, no. But God is good, and so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, love you guys, and just, you know, let the word of God just continue in your devotions and stuff to let the word of God and the truth of God's word go through it. You can get excited about God, things God are doing, but have that solid base relationship where it's not a feeling, it's not tradition of going to church every Sunday, but it's a real relationship where God's just going into your lives and working through your hearts. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray you just continue just as we study your word in our lives at home, that you continue just to reveal to us, Father, the areas we need to grow in. God, you know our hearts, and you know how wicked our hearts can be, Father, and we just need them renewed each and every day. By your word and through your spirit, God, help us to continue just to be the love and the light, God, that you've shown to us, God, that we would just be a clear reflection of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.